Well, we are um, coming to the end of our series on cross-training. Today is the last, just down just a little bit, today is the last sermon in this, uh, in this series. And before I let the kids kind of charge out the children's church, I wanted to just be able to talk specifically to our kids a little bit this morning and catch them up. They've missed basically the whole series because they've been in children's church, but I thought... The, the topic that I want to talk about today would be good for our kids. So if you're a kid who is going to go to children's church in a few moments, could you just kind of come on up here and just have a seat? It's fun. It's church. You get to sit on the ground and uh, we'll make a, some room right here. Get to a place where you won't necessarily bonk anybody and where you can see the screen as well. Jaden, you want to come right up? Come right over here so you can make sure you see the screen as well, all right? So, perfect. Well, um, so over the last few weeks, you guys, we've been talking here in Big Church about cross-training, and we've been talking about the importance of getting in shape. Um, maybe a little bit more, Josh. It's still kind of ringing. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get that ring out. Oh, okay. No problem. Just turn the whole thing down a little bit. Just the... Um, so... Um, We've been talking about getting in shape, and you know, people sometimes to get in shape at the beginning of the year, they, they run a lot, or they lift weights, or they swim, or they ride their bikes. Well, we've been talking about getting in shape, not physically, but getting in shape spiritually, getting our hearts and our minds and just our, our insides in shape so that we can live lives that are pleasing to God. And we've talked about getting in shape with our families, we've talked about family fitness, and we've talked about getting in shape in terms of the service kind of things that we do for God. And, um, and uh, even when we talked last week about getting our bodies in shape and how that relates to, to serving God. But today, I'm going to be talking to the adults about our finances and kind of financial fitness. And um, I wanted to share with you about that a little bit. And I know that maybe right off the bat, you're kind of like, what does that mean, financial fitness? And basically what that means, you guys, is how can we become people who are um, using our money and spending our money and dealing with our money and our stuff in ways that makes God happy, in ways that is pleasing to God. And uh, so I wanted just to think with you for a moment about some of the things that we can do to, um, to, to to act in ways and to live in ways with our money that's pleasing to God. And, and uh, I know that some of you are saying right off the bat, your, your next response is, Pastor James, I'm not sure if you know this, but I'm a kid and I don't have very much money. <laughs> Maybe some of you have lots of money that I'm unaware of, but, but most of you are probably thinking to yourself right now, I, I really don't have much money, I'm not sure why you're talking to me about this. Uh, but here's the, here's the reality, is that most of you at some point, whether it's a birthday or Christmas or maybe it's an allowance or some little jobs that you do, you do get a little bit of money from time to time, right? And um, maybe doing your chores, you're right. And, uh, and, and sometimes your parents not only give you money, but they give you stuff, right? And we need to think about that or friends. And here's the, the other thing. Someday, you guys may have lots of money. And it's important for you to begin to think even right now at this stage of life 
about how we're going to deal with our money in ways that will be pleasing to God so that when we get to that place when we have lots, then we'll be doing it then as well. It doesn't matter if you have lots or if you have little. It's how we treat it and how we bring a smile to God's face with the way we deal with it. So the, 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 I'm going to share with the adults a couple other ideas, but the one I really want to share with you, I think one of the most important ways that we can uh, just, just show God that, that we care about him in terms of thinking about our money is to have a, a real spirit of gratitude. And I think that's a slider right here. Uh, uh, gratitude. I don't know if you guys know exactly what that means, but just being thankful for what we have. Can you just read that with me? Gratitude. Thankful for what we have. Yeah, you know, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus, listen to this, Jesus healed 10 men who had leprosy. Does anybody know what leprosy is? It was this, it was this horrible skin disease that when you had it, you couldn't hang out with anybody. You were an outcast from society. These, these people, their lives were basically over once they got this disease. And Jesus healed 10 of these men who had leprosy. But guess what happened next? Um, nine of them went off and did their own thing. And only one of them came back to say thank you to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like the nine who didn't come back to say thank you to Jesus. I want to be like the one who gives thanks, who shows my gratitude to God and is thankful for what he's done for us and what he's given to us. So how do we do this? And I just had a couple ideas that I wanted to share. How do we, how do we show God that we're thankful for what he's given us? Well, the first thing that came to mind is that we, we take care of the stuff that he's given to us. We, we take care of the, the possessions or the money that, that he has given to us. Look at this verse from Proverbs. I want you to read this with me. This is from Proverbs 27, 23. See, if you're, if you're able to read this, read this with me. And adults, join in. Help them out. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not endure forever. And a crown is not secure for all generations. You know, back in the day when the Bible was written, people didn't have a lot of, like, cars and fancy clothes. But some of the things that they had were flocks and herds. And so what the writer of this scripture is saying to the people is to be aware of what you have and take good care of what it is that God has given to you. Now, when I think of taking good care of what God has given to us, my mind instantly races to the lost and found rack at my kid's school. <laughs> now, I don't know if, uh, if your school has a lost and found rack, but at my kid's school, we have a lost and found rack, and there are not one or two items on this rack. It is packed with stuff. Sweaters and lunch boxes and backpacks and I'm thinking, how do these people survive? It's and, and it and it makes me realize that that not only the kid the kids at my kids' school, but kids everywhere and adults there, we don't always do such a great job of taking care of the things that God has provided for us. The reality is that 
that somebody had to pay money for one of those jackets on that lost and found rack, and somebody had to get a job in order to make the money to pay for that, that jacket, and somebody had to provide the job for the person at work to get the money to buy the jacket. And, and what we believe is that God is the one who ultimately provides for us all the things that we have. And I know that we forget things. I mean, believe me, I forget things. I know that we make mistakes. I know that accidents happen. But the best we can, one of the ways that we can show God how grateful we are for what we have is to take good care of what we have, all right? Another idea that came to my mind is one of the ways we can show God how thankful we are to him for what we have is to never let the things that he gives to us, whether it's our money or our stuff, become more important to us than him. Does that make sense? I know some kids that if they don't have the latest electronic equipment or the fanciest snapback hat or the nicest backpack or whatever it is, if they don't have that, then they can't be happy. And, uh, and what, what God needs to know, one of the ways we show God that we're grateful to him is that we put our happiness in him and not in the stuff that he gives to us. There's another verse from Proverbs that I want us to look at. These Proverbs are just great, by the way. So let's all read this one together. Okay, read it. Ready? Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Hear what this is saying? If you trust in your riches, if you put your trust in your stuff or in your money, both now or later on, then it's just a matter of time before you'll be disappointed. But if we put our trust in God, then we'll flourish. We'll know what true life is. You know what's really interesting about this is that not only does the Bible say that we shouldn't trust in our riches, but did you know this? That our money tells us the very same thing. Did you know this? Just listen. Talk to me. Oh, wait, I can't hear it. Come here. Come here, Daniel. You can't, you can't hear it, but maybe you can read it. What does that say right there? In God we trust. Not only does the Bible say that we should trust in God and not in money, but money itself. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking about this. Money itself says, don't trust in me. Trust in God. In God we trust. And if this dollar bill is going to tell us, don't trust in me, then why should we trust in it? But if the Bible tells us we should trust in God, then for sure, we should. So one of the ways, guys, that we show that we're grateful to God for what he's given us is that we never allow the things that he gives us to become more important to us than the one who gives them to us, God himself. Last thing I want to share with you is, is, is this. The way that we can show our gratitude to God is by taking the things that we have been given by God, our stuff, our money, and sharing those things with the people around us. It's the most interesting thing. I just think God gets the greatest joy and is, has this greatest feeling of, of our gratitude when he sees us taking the things that he's provided for us and actually sharing them with the people around us. Look at this. One more proverb from 22.9, I think it is. Let's read it together. A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. I love this. You guys, many of you, I know, I see you, many of you bring your 
your dollar bills, your quarters, and you like to put them in the offering plate when it comes by, and, and you like to give to the church and support the ministry that the church is doing. Many of you brought dimes in December, right? Yeah, you know that. You brought those dimes in December for the, I think it was for the street kids in Ukraine, right? And many of you last summer, do you remember this at Vacation Bible School? Many of you brought money at Vacation Bible School. Does anybody remember what we were raising money for at Vacation Bible School back in the summer? Do you remember, Michael? Yeah, it was actually not in California. It was really far away from here, and it did have a really hard name, Kai Kabakar. You guys remember this? It was in Coast, is that what it was? Yeah, it was in Costa Rica, and it's this indigenous area where, where people like us don't go very often. And, and it's just the native people that have lived there, and, but the missionaries in Costa Rica wanted to start some churches. They wanted to tell people about Jesus. And one of the things they thought they could do is maybe take some school supplies to the kids there in Kaikabakar. And so we raised money, and you gave of what you had so that these kids might, have, might have, have school supplies. And just this week, guess what? The missionaries sent us an email, and they said, we weren't able to go to Kaikabakar until January, but we went, and we took the school supplies that you helped buy. And here are some pictures. So look at this. Look at this. There's some missionaries that went to visit with these kids. I don't know if you noticed, but it rained so much in Kaikabakar that all the kids walk around all the time in rain boots. See that? It rained so much there. And they had to, they have to cross over rivers to get back there, the missionaries did. And then here's a picture of the kids holding the school supplies that you helped buy for these kids that they probably wouldn't have had. Because you guys were generous with what you had, and you gave to that. And I don't know, well, I, I do know, this makes my heart feel good. So if it makes my heart feel good, if it makes your heart feel good, how good do you think it makes God's heart feel? When we sh awesome. When we show our gratitude to him by being generous and giving of what he's given to us. Those kids, um, their lives would be different because you gave. So this is what I'm going to tell you. Let's keep giving of what God has given to us. Let's keep showing our gratitude to who he, uh, to, to God because of what he's done for us. Let's keep it up. I am so proud of you guys. Lord Jesus, thank you for these kids. Thank you for what you're teaching them and showing them and helping them to be. Thank you that, for, that you have given us so much and help us, God, to show our gratitude to you every day in all that we do by living our lives in ways that bring a smile to your face. Thanks for these kids in Taikabakar. We pray your blessing upon them as they use these school supplies and continue to learn and grow and learn about Jesus as well. We're so thankful to you, God, for all that you've given us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, when preachers talk about money in church, everyone gets a little nervous. Everyone starts to head for the door. It's like, who slipped out along with the kids? Um, and because most of the time we think that, that the preacher's going to talk about giving to the church. And uh, yeah, we are going to talk about that in just a little bit. So.
just get ready, I guess. But, but this is what the thought was that crossed my mind this week as I was thinking about this, is that even if someone were to give 10% of their income to the church, which is not very, uh, doesn't happen very often much anymore these days, but even if someone were to do that, that still leaves, let's do the math, 90% of what God has given us to, to use in such a way that brings glory and honor to him. This is a biblical concept that we talk about known as stewardship. And so I, I'm, I want to talk with us and have some others actually help us think about the other 90%. What about the 90%? Because the Bible talks about the fact that we are, we're, we're really stewards. We're managers of all that God has provided for us, whether that's our money in our accounts or the, the things, the possessions that, that we have. And if you think about it, it, achieving financial fitness that's pleasing to God, really the 10% it is really potentially the easiest part. I'm just, you know, just write the check, boom, there it is, done. The 90% gets a little tricky and it gets a little difficult even to think about and prioritize and manage in such a way that is really pleasing to God. So um, I don't have all the answers on this. I'm, I'm on a journey myself, and I've invited four folks from our church, four who happen to be in my uh, small group, so I get to pick on them a little bit extra, um, to come and join us here to be a little panel. So Joshua and Pilar and Darren and Nicole, come on up here and have a seat. Um, let's get these microphones here, hopefully in a place where you can use them. Can you grab that one right behind you, Darren? All right, this is Joshua and Talar LaForge, if you don't know them here on this side. And uh, Joshua and Talar, uh, next week, one year wedding anniversary. <laughs> We got married on President's Day weekend, so we can always remember it. Thank you. And uh, you're welcome. And um, Josh is also running the sound today. He's the guy that we're having a conversation with. Um, Josh and Talar are just a great part of our church and our church family. Talar has grown up in this church. Joshua has been here the last couple of years, and we're so grateful uh, for who they are in their ministry, both school teachers, high school and elementary, and uh, just excited to be back, yes. And um, uh, this is Darren and Nicole, and um, Darren and Nicole are not so new to our church anymore, coming up on three years or so, yeah, around that, um, but three years this, like today, next Sunday, okay, so another anniversary. A wonderful neighbors of ours. Our kids go to the same school, so our family gets to hang out a lot with the Wilsons, and we really enjoy that. Um, relatively new to faith, though, and uh, so this whole finance thing, and you know, it's kind of a, a new thing for them to, to really be dealing with. And uh, I thought it would be interesting uh, to hear from them. Darren, uh, operations manager for just about every car wash in town, so. Um, <laughs> Uh, you'll see him at those various places. Nicole works as well, but also they have two wonderful children 
that they parent Lauren and Lucas, and that keeps them hopping as well. So that's a little bit of background on these guys, and, and I just think it, it really their perspectives are so interesting for us. Um, so let me just start. I, I gave them a few questions to think about, and, and we'll see how we go with this. But start off, and you don't have to go in any order, but just start off by sharing any of the lessons that you're learning these days about the connection between your faith and your finances. What are you learning about the connection between faith and finances? Well, um, this is something that I, for me personally, I think we um, prayed for when we first came in. Tithing was something that was new for me personally, and I know for Darren, but I can really only speak from my perspective was um, that I really prayed for the desire to give 10% or more. And what I found was, as a sweet surprise, that um, it's not painful. Um, it was at one point, and it does get painful some months, but um, that the I, it's, and this is something I, I try to explain to non-believers about tithing because that's kind of the, the glitch, the turn of the knife. Like, well, what about the fact that you give money to the church? And um, it's something that's hard for me to explain. But that I, when I tithe properly, I feel closer to God. Um, and when I don't, I don't. So there definitely is a connection. And um, about that other 90%, um, it's just an opportunity every day. Uh, whenever you're making a decision about money, which comes upon us hourly sometimes, um, as another way to be closer to God on whether you're making the right decision or not. Um, I think one of the things we talked about as far as being um, newly married is getting married is one of those situations in life where you kind of have real strong expectations of what it's going to be like. And I think financially, especially so. I mean, I think you have certain ideas of exactly what your wedding is going to look like. And you have certain exact ideas of the, the amazing house you're going to buy right away. And, and all the, and because it kind of marks this transition between like, okay, I know that I was in college and I, and you're supposed to be poor. And then I'm going to be married and people who are married seem to be pretty well off and maybe that's the difference. Uh, no, it's not. No. No. You find out pretty quickly that's, that's not the case. So, um, so I think what we've, what we've learned in that is to realize that whatever resources God has given us are the resources that he wants us to have. And um, living within that and, and living in those boundaries is not, it could very easily feel like this burden um, because you're not getting what you expected out of life. But for us, I mean, we found again and again that it's actually been exactly perfect. God gives us exactly what we need. And um, whether that's the case of our wedding or where we're living or furnishing that place, um, we've been very blessed. And we're just trying to learn that good things come out of what God gives you. Build on that a little bit. And the, the second question really is, what are, what are some of the challenges that you have faced or are facing 
currently to really putting God first in your finances? And whether it's in the 90% or the 10%, what, what are the challenges that, that you have faced and or are facing even now? Um, we, when we got married, we owned a business. And when the, the uh, 9-11 happened, I'll try this one. Yeah. Oh, that's better. Um, <laughs> thanks for giving me Greg's. Uh, uh, when we first got married, we owned a business, um, and we did really well. We were successful with it. But then 9-11 happened, and that money dried up pretty fast. Business dried up. So um, we went through a series of changes in our lives, and there was financial... Uh, modifications <laughs> um, with that. So um, we've always believed in family. Um, and now we believe in the church and we believe in God and faith. And for me personally, um, the giving of the money isn't the thing. It's a thing. It's money. It's like James says. You don't believe in money. You believe in God. The money says that. But... Um, The, um, the, the bottom line is faith is what you put into it more than anything anymore. And for me personally, the 10% isn't anything. Um, there's been times when we haven't been able to afford it. There's been many times we haven't been able to afford it. But like Nicole said, it brings you closer to God. It brings me closer to what I should be as a Christian. Um, and it doesn't stop at the 10%. We've had family members, my brother, many of you have seen him, met him before. Um, long before he went into the rescue mission, he was living off of us. We fed him. We clothed him. Um, Nicole's mom's been in the same position a couple times. So, um, But that's, that's what God expects of me. It's not what I expect of me all the time. So you just got to do it. What else? Other challenges? Um, I think it's really interesting because there are some months where you go, oh, no, really? 10%? Okay. Um, or, oh, no, I have this to do and this to pay and this needs to go here. And it's easy to get caught up in um, the chaos of what happens when you get married and then you have to pay rent and live off of so much for groceries and still have this and this and this and this to pay. Um, and it's easy to stay awake at night and worry and wonder how is tomorrow going to, you know, be a smooth day. Um, and I think that's where the difference is between um, the, the easiness of trusting in the Lord comes in. Um, because through him, everything is possible. Even if it's, oh no, um, how are we going to get this amount over here and then continue for the rest of the month. Um, it's that faith of, Lord, you have complete control over this amount. You have complete control over our home. You have complete control over our family. And it's how we trust in you that is going to work its way out. Um, 
And I think that's really, it's a hard lesson. And it's a lesson that we learn um, month to month <laughs> and um, day by day. But the Lord is so faithful. I think that's just one thing that always is true, is he is so faithful and he provides in ways that are so beyond the financial. He provides with the people that he puts in our lives that help. Um, and I think that's one thing that has been so clear to us is not everything is just that financial, you know, that 90% and more through the blessings that we have in our community is humongous. Good. Each of you guys have shared about this, or some of you at, at some level, about just how being a steward and offering, trusting God with our finances isn't just like a separate thing from our discipleship, really, but it's a really kind of a core part of who we are as followers of Christ. And maybe you could just speak to that for a moment. That's just uh, another question I had. It's just how, how, is, how do you see your faith overall growing as you learn to trust God with your finances, the 90%? 10%, whatever. How do you see your overall faith growing and being sharpened and shaped um, as you do that? Um, well, Darren and I are currently trying to either let our house sink or pull it out from underwater. And it's been a four-year, five-year process come May, April. And um, it's been tough to decide if this is something we want to let go of because if there's that responsibility we made the decision to buy the house and um, it's been upsetting at times um, I always say and it's selfish but um, you don't mess with a stay-at-home mom's nest and those are my angry moments and you know because you don't <laughs> don't mess with my nest um, and so th it's, it's tough. This is, a t this is our home. This is a tough thing. Um, I feel most of the time very faithful, and I know that that's a blessing. But it's not all the time. And so, you know, I, I feel that God has placed this challenge in our lives to um, help us grow to help us realize um, the perspective of things. And um, I can say that that opportunity to have this happening in our, in our life has um, stretched our faith farther than it would have been had it been easy. So, and it doesn't feel like it's been that really that hard, so I have to say, mention that. Good. Just gonna kind of expand on that. Um, yeah. Well, we went, luckily, on a Memorial Day. It's been almost three years ago. It was right after we joined the church. We went to uh, Iman Nari with the Kinsors and had snow cones and other fun things. But I talked to James about our situation with the house, and he said, you just got to put your trust in God. And since that day, I don't stress because of the house anymore. I just accept that God will do whatever he feels is right for us. So we still work digital, diligently at it. We make, we do everything we're supposed to. But in the end, it's at God's feet. So, 
Yeah, and I think that's where the, the, the faith comes in. It's one of the great things about finances, actually, is it's such a practical opportunity to have faith that God is going to take care of things. Our, um, you know, we've had financial surprises, as everybody does this year, and um, you really have the choice right then to decide whether you're going to have your faith in the fact that God is going to make this work out or whether you're going to have your faith in the fact that you've planned your finances so perfectly that nothing can ever hurt you, or whether, you know, you're going to have your faith in whatever it is, you know, your ability to worry every single night, and just that force of worry will somehow make things better. Um, so those, and, and those seem to be the, the practical choices that people make. It's like, am I going to just deal with financial problems by buckling down and figuring out where the money comes from and doing some mathematical wizardry or am I going to worry or what am I going to do? But I think the choice that we really need to make each time and, and the choice that really only work, the only one that works, I think is just believing in God and deciding that you're not going to do those two other things necessarily. That's not to say that we don't plan these things because we are the stewards of them. Um, absolutely we do that, but um, God makes it work out, I think, in the end. Last question for you guys. Um, we're talking in this whole series about not just trying harder, but training more wisely. And um, I think the same needs to be the case in terms of our finances. And as we bring that before the Lord, it's one thing just to say, all right, this year I'm going to try harder. And it's another thing to say, God, I'm going to train myself more wisely to be more financially fit before you. So any practical steps or things that you're giving yourselves to in terms of just just training to help you with this i think one of the things that talar and i decided to do right off the bat was we picked an amount that we were going to give to the church and the big change was i think up until that moment we had let the giving come at the end of the month as like all the money just sort of shook itself out and then you'd see what was left and then you'd give and go okay that was fine but that was not training to have faith. That was training to budget your money so that there's money left, and that's valuable. But training to have faith for us became the first check that we're going to write each month is going to go to God. And that's what the Bible describes it as. When they talk about the tithe, they typically talk about the first fruits, the first thing that comes from your harvest, you're going to give that back to God. And for us, that, that, says, that, that was a training step because we just made it this repetition where we do it every month and you had to then have faith that things were going to work out because the money was gone already. Just in that same vein, um, a lot of our faith and tithing came, um, I think it was two Christmases ago, I think you were talking about just go for it. For one month, give 10%. And to realize um, how life just, it's what it feels like. Just give 10%, what it feels like. And, in, in, you know, it, to realize it's just not as painful and what the benefits are of it. I, I have to mention that because the amazing blessings um, filled my heart personally from that knowledge following the Bible. And besides, once you're five or six years out of high school or college, top ramen actually tastes pretty good at the end of the month. <laughs> top ramen, is that what you said? 
Hey, let's give thanks to these guys. Well, the, uh, <clears throat> the statistics on one hand are very positive. In 2011, the total amount of charitable giving in America was just short of $300 billion. You know, 2011, that wasn't a great year financially for our country. And yet, $298 billion were given to charitable organizations. And, and religious organizations, the church included, took in over $96 billion of that nearly $300 billion. Or 32% of the charitable giving in that year went to religious organizations. And that, that still sounds pretty good to us. But there are some difficulties with the data because the reality is not quite as encouraging because 25 years ago, uh, the percentage of charitable giving given to religious organizations was 60%. And so in 25 years, the amount of charitable giving to churches has nearly been cut in half. And uh, there's lots of reasons maybe why this has happened, declining church attendance really across our nation, rising the number of other nonprofits. But whatever way you slice it, the simple reality is that every year religious organizations are getting a smaller piece of that charitable pie. Uh, some other statistics as well that aren't quite as encouraging. I'm not meaning to be the uh, doomsday uh, guy here, but for individual Christians from 1968 to 2009, the percentage of their income uh, that people gave to the church dropped from 2.45% to 2.04%. And the reality, again, a little bit of the behind the numbers of that is that um, the reality is that the higher givers are pushing up the average because nearly three quarters of the people that were surveyed uh, were giving less than 2%. So... This is, uh, I'm, I'm not, again, telling you this to, like, give you bad news, but just to say that there has been an interesting reaction in the church world. Uh, there's an interesting response to this kind of data. And, in fact, I was reading a, a book this week that, that, in this book, the author was encouraging pastors to think of themselves more as CEOs and to think of their churches more as Nonprofit organizations that are competing for the charitable dollar. And, uh, I, you know, much of what he had to say actually was really helpful, really positive. And there's things that nonprofits are doing, charitable organizations that we as a church need to be able to learn from and we're kind of lax in doing. But something in the overall message just didn't really quite sit well with my spirit. Again, much of what he said is true. Uh, things like um, people are often looking to make the biggest splash where they can with their charitable giving. Larger donors do often need to be nurtured and appreciated. Pastors do need to develop their fundraising skills. These are some of the tips that he was giving. It's just that the reality is that the, the work that churches do isn't always that, you know, isn't always that glamorous. Sometimes it's just the daily grind. It's just the, sometimes a very slow process of making disciples, you know, one day at a time. And that's sometimes hard to 
pinpoint or know where to give a, a splashy gift. And, and, and you know, the, the church is really to be more about developing disciples as opposed to developing donors. And uh, pastors are typically much more interested in raising up people for ministry and service as opposed to raising up funds for the ministry program. So I, I just have to be honest with you, I, I wrestle with this this week. I, I called some mentors and I said, you know what, do we just need to kind of pack it in and just say, all right, this is how it's got to be done from here on out? Or, or can we hold on to some things that the Bible really seems to be teaching us about our stewardship? And the counsel that I got, thankfully, affirmed what my heart was telling me. And I'm not quite ready to totally kind of give away, you know, the, the farm on, on uh, this stuff quite, quite yet. We in the church can learn a lot from nonprofits, fundraising, but I think we can hold on to some key principles that have made the church unique for centuries. And so this is the thought that came to my mind. Giving, the kingdom is not a charity. Kingdom is not a charity. And I know that we can give to the kingdom through a variety of means. It's not just the local church by any means. But in particular as we give to the, and think about giving to the local church, to recognize that the church is not just another charity. This doesn't, uh, this means that, that, that uh, Christians don't give to the kingdom through the local church out of obligation or duty, or because we've been persuaded, or because we think there's a great need that we can meet. We give for different reasons. And, and, and just came to my mind that I want to share with you. We, we give, first of all, as an expression of our worship. And I want you to think about that with me for, for just a moment. We, we don't give because, you know, and, and this, is for, this is for Christians. Christians don't give for all these other reasons, they give ultimately as an expression of our worship. That's, that's kind of why, and some of you I know don't agree with me on this, but, but that's, that's why for as long as I'm the pastor here, and um, until God gives me some other sort of revelation, we will pass the plates in our worship services. And uh, I, I know online giving is all the rage, and I'm not opposed to it. We don't have it yet, but we may at some point. People, some people mail in their, their tithe and their checks, and, you know, that's fine, ultimately. <coughs> but uh, I, when we pass the plates, I just need you to know that that's intentional. That is not like a timeout from worship. It's not taking a break from the worship service. That's not a commercial break where you can kind of, you know, stretch and uh. No, this is a part of our worship. Romans 12, Paul writes, present yourselves as living sacrifices. This, this is your spiritual act of worship, he says. And one of the ways that we present ourselves as living sacrifices is through our giving. And so, so I don't think we need to make a big deal of it by any means. You know, hey, here it is, I'm worshiping. You know, put it in the plate. But, but parents, you need to know that your kids are observing and we're teaching and we're, 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 we're demonstrating that, that this is a part of who we are as, 
God's people in our worship as we, as we give. We, uh, we give not only as a means of our worship, but we, but we give as a means of participating with God in his mission to the world. I, I, uh, I was disappointed by the Super Bowl results, I must, I must admit. Um, some of you Niner fans are waiting for me to acknowledge that and you know, share your pain. I am, I am sharing it, but I've moved on. Um, spring training is just around the corner, Giants fans, what's up? Um, but uh, I, I was a little bit disappointed in that, but I love the interchange between the Harbaugh brothers. And if you follow this, the coaches for each team are brothers. And, and what was even greater than listening to the brothers talk was their parents. And I don't know if you got to see these, but they had interviews with the parents of these two coaches that were on opposite sides of the field. And their dad is just, their mom and dad, but their dad is just a character. And, and, and the boys have both picked up lots of things that, that he said. And I wrote this down because I want to make sure I got his quote right. But they said that, uh, that Jim uses this now with his team, but Jack Harbaugh, the dad, when he used to drop the kids off for school, the two brothers and their daughter and their sister, he would say, kids, attack this day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. I mean, football coach, right, through and through. So I've started doing this with my kids. All right, kids, tag this day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. I, this, is, this is awesome. I mean, you just pumped, right? I begin to think about this in terms of our giving and participating with God in his mission in the world. We don't... We don't give just to satisfy debts or because we feel guilty or we kind of get it off our conscience. We give with joyful hearts. The Bible instructs us, God loves a cheerful giver. Remember that little phrase? We give with cheerful and joyful hearts because we know that by doing so, we, we get to play a small part, very insignificant really if you think about it in the big picture, but significant in that this is our, our chance through our giving among other ways as well. Through our giving to, to, to attack this day with God and his mission with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. So just like our panel discussed, I mean, it's not, a, it's not a, sometimes it is hard materially as we think about what we're doing, but spiritually to think about the fact that ah, I'm getting to, to join with God in maybe a small bit, significant to me, way of participating with him in his mission um, to the world. The, the last one that came to my mind is just this, that, that Christians give because each time they do, uh, we become a little bit more like the one who gave fully of himself for us. We give because every time we do, we become a little less self-centered Every time we give, we become a little less greedy. We, we, we just kind of break back the bonds of materialism and, and, and greed. We just kind of, we, take a, we get up on a personal soapbox in a sense. Every time we give and we say, mammon, the power of money, you will not control me. And as I give, I become more like this one, Jesus, who was the perfect example 
of one who gave fully of himself on the cross. And, and this is our, this is why I asked them the question about how, how does your trusting God with your finances impacting the rest of your life? Because I just believe that as we not only give the, the 10% or whatever percentage it is, but as we live our whole lives in stewardship with, before God, we, we're being changed. We're being altered. Our makeup, our spiritual chemistry is being reconfigured more into the likeness of Jesus, the one who gave fully of himself. We give in worship. We give for mission. We give out of a desire to become more like Christ. This just, this rings with my heart. Now, I, I will say, for those of you who are not quite to this point, we have a new associate pastor coming. If you're looking for a need to prompt your giving, we're getting ready to replace the roof on our church building that hasn't been replaced for 50 plus years. It's asbestos. It costs a little more. It's a $50,000 project for the whole roof. And it has to be done. And people 55 years ago when this church began were the stewards of this building. And now, in a sense, it's our turn. So there are things going on, all right, that are part of, of this whole process. But but I'm not standing before you saying, you got, you know, roof's caving in, you don't give. <laughs> you know? And this isn't the motivation. Our, our associate pastor will be eating top ramen at the beginning of the month <laughs> if you don't give. This isn't our motivation. Motivation is worship. It's mission. It's Christ-likeness. And as we give out of this motivation, God sees that all our needs, sees that his church is provided for in ways that we can never manipulate out of our own wisdom and strength. Sometimes we don't give because we don't know how to. We don't know what to do. And some of you are sitting here and you haven't really maybe given much in your life. And you're thinking, James, those people are talking about 10%. And I just got to know, I got to let you know that if you think I'm going to give 10%, you are crazy. <laughs> um, let, me, let me give you two quick suggestions for where to start. Number one, have a plan. Have a plan for your giving. And that just means to step back, and, and this is going to be a bigger process than just saying, all right, this is how much I'm giving. Step back, evaluate your finances. Evaluate where you're spending where you don't really need to be spending. Evaluate the debt that's being racked up, perhaps, that doesn't need to be racked up. Evaluate where you might be able to trim so that you could become more diligent, more purposeful in your giving to the Lord. Evaluate. Have a plan. Just, just, just think about it so that... As, as we said earlier, it's not just kind of a reactionary in terms of our giving. Have a plan. And then the second thing I would just say is, that I would suggest to you is, pick a percentage. The Bible suggests 10. It doesn't seem to have gone out of style. Even in the New Testament, Jesus talked about when you tithe. It doesn't seem to have kind of been passed over. It's a, it's a good place to, to think about, but maybe it's not the place to start. Maybe you need to start 
with the national average, 2.04. Maybe you need to start with three. Maybe you need to start with five. Maybe you need to start with one. Pick a percentage so you know, as Joshua mentioned, at the beginning of the month, this is what I know is going to the kingdom. Pick a percentage. And then maybe next year, you up the percentage. And then next year, you up the percentage. So you get to the point where you're giving 10%, but then maybe you're even giving 15%. Maybe you're giving 20%. There was many stories, and, and uh, one in particular of a man that, that founded Laterno College who, before his life was over, he was giving away 90% and keeping 10%. John Wesley is another great example. Of, he, he, he learned what he needed to live on. He learned what the amount was. And as his income increased over his lifetime, he kept his expenses the same. And whatever got, went above, he just gave away. He obviously was not a 21st century American. More? John Wesley, in one of his most famous sermons on finances, said it very simply. Uh, I say pick a plan and, or, or have a plan and pick a percentage. He said, make all you can. Save all you can. Give all you can. That's not a bad plan. Yeah. Let's stand together, can we? And have the worship team come back. God thinks that, uh, that, uh, that you invite us to, to, to come before you in such a way with all of our lives, all that we have, and to, to recognize and just declare right up front that, that, uh, that everything that we have is really from you, that we're stewards. And I know maybe that across this room here this morning, this is a brand new concept for some folks. And, and if it's kind of blowing their minds, God, I pray that you would just help us, each one, to understand the purpose here and, and uh, what it is that you want to speak to our hearts about. Uh, but we all want to, uh, to be responsive to you, Lord. And, and, and this morning, I'm just praying for different folks at different places on the journey that that these reminders here this morning about financial fitness, about things like we talked about with the kids, about just really demonstrating our gratitude to you day in and day out, about taking care not only of our giving to the church, but about the other 90% or more of the, the finances we've been given responsibility for. And, and as we thought about the motivations, really, for forgiving God. I pray that you just be taking these things and applying them to our hearts just as you want to do. We, we give that to you, God, and we simply pray that your Holy Spirit then would come around us and encourage our hearts. I pray that no one will walk out of this place today discouraged, but that we will be full of hope. We'll be completely encouraged about the possibilities of what it is that you might want to bring about in our lives as we faithfully respond to you. So encourage us now, Holy Spirit, even as we sing uh, our worship to you. We thank you that you're here now and you're speaking to our hearts and you're changing our lives.
we give ourselves to you. Amen. Amen. Amen.